What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Chop It Up with your host, Pasquale, the podcast to help you grow yourself, grow your business, but most importantly, grow your hair. Today, I have the privilege of having a good friend of mine, Dr. Rebecca. We're going to talk about what does it really take to have a long career, right? And you guys know that I like to focus on the barbering aspect of things, but this really applies to a lot of people, and I'm sure that you'll be able to project yourself in what we'll be talking about today, rather that it's in your job, in your daily life. These are all things that will help you get through you know, your everyday life, all right? So one thing that I, I talk a lot about with barbers is always... How can you be a barber for a long time? You know, and we like to talk about the financial aspect of things, but we often forget that health is the main priority. You know, when you talk to somebody, a lot of times they'll tell you, as long as we have the health, the rest doesn't matter. The rest will come. Money's just money. Cars are just cars. But the health is most important part. And it's true. So you guys, everybody's trying to bring up their prices, trying to get as many clients as we possibly can. But what if we're not able to service them, all right? And that's one thing that I've learned early in my career because I started cutting hair when I was 17 years old, okay? So at 17 years old, it's pretty cool. Everything goes well. But what ends up happening as your career progresses, right? You're working. You're not looking at how you should be standing ergonomically. You're just kind of working and trying to get in as many clients as you can. And then you catch yourself at the age of 20 years old with a back pain where you don't feel like going to work, right? So this is not a normal thing. And this is why I think it's important for me to have somebody like Rebecca on the show so she can explain to you what are the main principles of basically taking care of yourself. Because the more you take care of yourself, the longer you'll be able to do this. And I know a lot of you are going to say, I want to retire. I wanted this. I wanted that. I want to retire too. But my goal is I want to cut hair on my own terms, right? So when I get to a point of financial freedom, when I get to a point of I have everything in line the way I want to my shops, I want to be able to pick and choose every client in my chair that sits and that I have a discussion with, that I cut their hair. So I still want to work because I do love what I do every day, just that I want it to be on my terms and not on somebody else's terms. And the best way to start that is with your health, all right? So, you know, I want to talk about what what do you think, Rebecca, is the main point that somebody should look into, you know, even when they're starting their barbering career or something that will come along the line of, you know, a couple of years into his career? Thank you for having me. And uh, I think you you mentioned a very good point at the beginning uh, of the podcast is that when you... Actually, actually, just give me a second. Th- this is very rude of me. I just I just want you to introduce yourself and let everybody know what it is that you do um, because it, it, it definitely is a subject that excites me. I like to talk about this because I do believe in health. Um, somebody that, you know, is in the process of getting their life back together with their weight and stuff. So I get excited, but I want Rebecca to introduce herself. Please tell me, what do you do? Tell our people what you do. Yeah, no problem. So uh, I'm Dr. Rebecca. I'm a family physician uh, in uh, Montreal, Canada. Um, So I do have my own private practice. Uh, Like I said, I'm a family physician, but I'm also board certified in obesity medicine. Now, I don't really like to call it obesity medicine. For me... um, Weight and weight loss is just a small aspect of the big picture. The big picture is actually leading a healthy lifestyle to not only live longer, but live longer, healthier. So the goal is not just to live until we're 100, but having, let's say, 50% of that time uh, being sick or living with a chronic disease, right? The point is to live longer, but just be healthier. So... um, And you mentioned a really good point uh, early on in the podcast is that 
when you start working um, early on in your career, let's say when you were 17 years old, all you want to do, right, is like grind, work hard, make money. You don't really care about your posture. You don't really care about the hours that you work at. You don't really care about the conditions. But sometimes what you have to consider is that, okay, now I'm 17 years old, but 10, 20, 30 years down the line, what is my life going to look like? Is it going to be sustainable? Is what I'm doing sustainable? So I think that was an excellent point. And one thing I think that we have to keep in mind is that in any type of career, being a barber, being a doctor, or you know, having an office job, the main uh, point, and this I see a lot in my practice, is that in any type of career, a lot of people come with chronic pain. And one thing that I know for sure is that hairdressers and barbers tend to have chronic back pain down the line or, you know, shoulder pain because of tendonitis. And I think that's what you were referring to when we talk about, you know, like... Absolutely. Being healthy. I always do like um, a comparison also in terms of wearing yourself out, you know, because you want to grind, grind, grind. Also, I like to do a parallel with... The price people are charging, but we've had several episodes where we talk about, you know, charging maybe a higher price point to cut less people in the day. But at the end of the day, if you want to make, you know, more money, you want to push through, you want to have bigger days. I think the most important thing is to understand, you know, ergonomically how to work and also how to maintain what is our number one tool. A lot of barbers think that their number one tool is their clipper, but I truly believe that the number one barber tool is the body. Because if you don't have a body, you try cutting hair sitting down, you try cutting hair with a broken shoulder, you try cutting, you know, there's so many things. I think that's our number one tool. And that's really, that's really what I want to know is how can one prevent having, you know, chronic issues when it comes to pain? And again, this definitely applies to barbers, it definitely applies to hairdressers, but it applies to anybody that just kind of sits all day at a desk or, you know, I think every job has its um, pros and cons when it comes to pain, you know? Exactly. I do see a lot of people um, at my, in my practice, you know, with workplace accidents or that come because of overusage of certain, um, you know, joints, uh, you know, like the back, um, shoulders, elbows, you know, and they come with accidents just because it's um, overused. And I think one way of preventing this is first off um, realizing wh- where this is coming from, right? So if you just have back pain um, that is starting, let's say, slowly and progressively getting worse, you just have to be mindful of where it's coming from. So if, for example, you're standing most of the day, you have to ask yourself, okay, is it because of my posture? Is it because of my work? And realizing that is the first step. And I think one important and one key thing with all these people that come to, come to me a bit too late is that they're not physically active people. So then you're going to tell me, well, we are physically active because our job is a physical job, right? You're standing most of the day, you're but walking around. Is it is it really physical? You know, it's, it's yeah. like we stand in place. Exactly. So that's the, that, that's, I think that's the important um, difference to keep in mind is that it's a physical job, but you're not physically fit. Right. And I think that's the issue. Someone who has um, strong, a strong core, strong back muscles, strong shoulder muscles and back muscles will probably have less um, pain or avoid having tendonitis in their, in their shoulders later on in their lives, you know, when they're 50 years old. So I think the point here is that, 
you can't just consider um, just your posture is to to kind of take the big picture and be physically active, you know, take walks, go to the gym, do exercise. So the recommendations of the American Heart Association is to have at least 150 minutes to 200 minutes a week of cardio exercise and at least two days a week of strength training. So this is the general recommendation. If you're not having this, in my opinion, you're not someone considered physically fit. Do you think that doing this, working out, and you know, obviously getting a stronger back, stronger shoulders will evidently help you have automatically a better posture while working because that's the main thing that I see with younger barbers and I'm one to always correct the people in the room that I work with when I see them kind of slouching, when I see them with their neck you know, tucked in. Those are things that, my gosh, I guess because I'm older, I look at that and I'm like, ow, it hurts just looking at you, right? Now, that being said, will somebody that follows those recommendations and has a healthy lifestyle and actually exercises, will that help correct their posture automatically? I definitely think so, to be honest, because they will automatically, if you have strong back muscles, right? If you have strong shoulder muscles, your posture is going to be completely different. But also, like you said, realizing that we're having a bad posture ergonomically, you know, is also the first step. But definitely... I think one of the main issues when I see people at the at the office, you know, with workplace accidents is because they're not physically fit. They do lift things, they do push things, but they're not fit to doing these things. So they eventually end up hurting themselves. And what happens later on is that, okay, fine, like you have shoulder pain, you get your cortisone shot because you have tendinitis, but if you're, you don't continue doing your physiotherapy, if you don't continue doing physical activity, what's going to happen is a month or two down the line, you're going to hurt yourself again because you continue doing the same movements without fixing the, you know, the, the origin of your problem. You're just really putting a patch. Yes, a, a Band-Aid, a Band-Aid, exactly. Essentially, essentially it's like, I guess when, so, when somebody's given, you know, an ultimatum with, let's say... Um, how can I explain it? You know, when, when you start having clogged arteries, when you start having issues with your blood pressure, you can either take the pills for it or you can take action in your everyday life, right? So now these pills are kind of going to help you get through the problem, but you still have those bad habits that led you to get there, right? And I think that I'm a, I'm a big believer that, you know, I train a lot. Um, I like to train. I actually enjoy it. You know, although it hurts when you're doing it, uh, you learn how to enjoy the process and be happy with that pain because you know that that's what's actually making you stronger, right? So when I when I when I go out there and I cut hair next to barbers who are, well, it's starting to be like almost half my age, and I can run a twelve hour day and I can cut two three people an hour, and I I run circles around these guys and I'm still a big boy, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly lightweight, I'm not exactly featherweight, but I do believe that I have some type of muscle structure, so. That's my that's my real way of looking at it is a lot of barbers talk about, oh, you know, I want to I wanna have a longer career. I want to do this, but it hurts, but I can't do this and I can't do that. And so that's why sometimes, not sometimes, most of the time, I actually like to start it as a challenge. So I, I introduce it into my places of work with my teams. Let's, let's go to the gym, you know, and I can actually talk about uh, one of the barbers that I actually met last year. He thought he was living a healthy, healthy lifestyle because he was evidently a smaller guy, 
not necessarily built, but you know, he didn't have any problems, but I can tell you that he ate McDonald's every day. He didn't really train and I really pushed him to get back into it. And as he started getting back into it, you know, first of all, not only did he get the compliments of people saying, wow, you know, you're really, you're really filling up those shirts. You're really looking good. You know, you're looking lean, but he also started feeling more energized. He also started being able to stand longer, walk around longer, take more clients, stay later, come in earlier, right? So I think it's more than just the physical aspect of your structure. It's also, man, when you work out, when you give it all, when you give it everything, when you go to bed, you fall asleep. There's no more, none of this, oh, I can't sleep, oh, I'm tired. It's almost like your recuperation is better because you emptied the tank that day and then you really, really, really went to sleep, right? I've had that issue when I had back pains where I couldn't train, but I couldn't fall asleep at night because I felt like I didn't give it everything, right? So all I'm saying here is that Rebecca brought some great points how we can definitely patch those issues, but what we want to do is really get to the core of the problem and really solve those problems from the beginning. And if you don't want to have problems, the best way is to just incorporate that into your everyday life, right? Because I think you have two choices in life. You can either have the hard path of saying, I wake up and I go to work out, or you can have the hard path of saying, oh, now everything's broken. How am I going to fix it, right? So I'd rather have the approach, the preventive approach than the fixing approach. And I believe that from the amount of times we've spoken, I feel like you've took that approach now in your doctor career where you're really trying to help people get better before the problems come. So basically, how do we keep this machine well-oiled to not have the problems when a lot of doctors, especially the older generation, I feel, are telling you like, it's okay, you have that problem, let's patch it, right? So we're trying to keep this new car new for a long time rather than other people are like, you know what, just run it down and then we'll fix it when the problems get here, right? 100%, yeah, you're right. And and I like to call it um, proactive medicine, right? Not only preventative, but you're being proactive in, um, you know, avoiding these types of problems later on in life. So when you have healthier, healthy lifestyles, when you train when you're physically fit when you eat well when you sleep well when you reduce your stress you know um i think those are the key components of avoiding any type of problem you know where you know for let's say someone in your in your career let's say it's chronic pain but also we're talking about you know obesity we're talking about cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cholesterol, even cancer. These are the things we can prevent by taking this approach. So I like that you bring that up because a lot of times we talk about, you know, the gym side and being proactive and let's let's work out and let's do this and let's do that. Now, the other issue that I've dealt with and a lot of people, a lot of people know me, but very few know me in the personal side of my life. And I'll let you guys in on something. I realized one thing in the last couple of years is that I definitely have an addiction. You know, I speak to a lot of people who are um, addicted to drugs. I speak to people who are addicted to alcohol, who have came out of those addictions and who have, you know, decided to take a turn in their life. And I said, oh man, I used to, I'll never say that I laughed at those people, but I didn't understand how somebody can be addicted to a substance. When I actually realized that I had that addiction problem myself, and that addiction was to food, okay? And this leads me to a point where um, I started a a mental toughness program that I speak about a lot. You guys know I do 75 hard. And this time around, I'm on day 13 of my 75 hard. 
and I decided to actually track my macros to start counting my calories and start seeing where I'm going with this because I've done it before. I've lost 25 pounds in 75 days. It's great, but this time I'm going to smash it. And I want to understand what it is that I'm eating and how it is that I'm eating, right? And I bring this up because when I actually started inputting my food on a daily basis into this app, I started seeing that this little healthy snack that I thought I was having after dinner was actually 1200 calories. And I was smacking that right before going to bed after probably ingesting, you know, 3600 calories during my day thinking, oh my gosh, this is healthy food, right? So now that being said, I wasn't being good on quantity, but I might as well have a Big Mac because if I'm going to eat 1200 calories worth of Greek yogurt, I can go eat something that has less calories. Obviously not great for the machine, but my point in all this is that we need to understand what we're feeding our body. We need to understand what we're putting in our body. And as barbers, as hairstylists, as people that are always on the go, we always find the excuse of saying, oh, I'm going to stop and get a burger. I'm going to stop and get a sandwich. Ever since I moved to the United States of America, I've realized that the sandwich is not only the most popular food around, but also the most convenient one. And sometimes I feel like people use the word convenient next to a sandwich way too freely. All right. So what I've realized is that real convenience is to actually knowing what you're ingesting. Right. And a lot of barbers go out and every day order out. They, they'll Uber Eats, DoorDash. And now we're talking about the healthy side. If I can just open up the subject really, really quickly and just give you a vision of the financial repercussions of this, DoorDash, I don't care what you order on DoorDash, it's $25. You can order McDonald's, you can order, you know, one chicken sandwich, whatever it is, it comes up to $25 once it's delivered. You do that twice a day, that's $50 a day. You work five days a week, that's $250 a week. You know, so at the end of the day, that's a thousand dollars a month. And a lot of guys that I know doing this are actually taking Uber to work because they say they can't afford a car. Okay. So one thing I've realized is that you have more money than you think, because once you start cooking your own food, you can actually control what you're putting in your body, know what you're putting in your body, but also save a ton of money because I guarantee you that for 50, $60 per week, you can cook great food, great quality of food, organic and actually have food on hand all the time, right? So this leads me to ask you, how important does nutrition come? Not only with the part of like what you're putting in your body, but also because what's the biggest thing that would have like affect somebody's, uh, you know, muscle structure, somebody's bone structure is I'm guessing the weight, right? So how does, how does one understand how important this is to actually know what they're putting in their body over just saying, well, it doesn't matter. And Again, we come back to the fact where when I have a 17, 18 year old barber talking to me about what he's eating, he doesn't see the repercussions right away because his body is able to, you know, pretty much process it all. But again, like you hear so many people say, I'll confirm to you that it's true. When you turn 35 years old, things change, you know. So what's your what's your input on that? How do you feel about that? Honestly, I could talk to you about this for hours. Okay, but we'll just try to, you know talk about the basics and and just to bridge with the subject that we talked about before meaning exercise and if there's one thing you you kind of keep in your mind from today is that you can't out exercise a bad eating habit bad diet so you can exercise all you want but as long as you don't have eating healthy eating habits 
you will not get to a, a physically healthy state. So, I mean, that that's number one. Now, regarding the food, there's another point that you made as well, is that your healthy food, let's say you're having, a, you said, a burger that's 360 calories, right? Versus a 360-calorie yogurt. So, yes, I understand both are the same calories, but one thing you have to keep in mind is that the calories are not the only thing that are important. It's the nutrients inside. What what are you fueling your body with? So if you're fueling your body with a burger, you have a bunch of unhealthy fats, unhealthy products in there versus your yogurt, depending on what type of yogurt it is. If it's Greek yogurt, you're high in protein. So you really have to count your macros, and I'm really happy you talked about that. So a lot of people find it extremely difficult to um, track what they're eating because let's be honest, between me and you, it's annoying. It, you have to scan each item that you're eating, that you're, you know, you have to log in each food. But at the end of the day, what I tell my patients is, I, I encourage my patients to have apps like this. It's because it makes you accountable of what you're eating because when you don't track what you're eating, you don't remember the snack that you, the, the little like grapes that you put in your mouth or the little yeah the nuts that you ate or the juice that you drank the smoothie like they're not all healthy you really have to know what you're eating to know okay am i having too many carbs am i having enough protein and one thing that i have to tell you is that i feel like a lot of people don't have enough proteins so you talked about how um your food can affect let's say your exercise or your muscle or your body composition one thing is that you need to have enough protein in your food to be able to maintain your muscle mass. And how we kind of calculate that is, simply put, you have to calculate around 1 to 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of your weight per day. So sometimes, like, general rule, I tend to suggest my patients to have around 30 grams of protein in each meal. So if you're not having that amount of protein, you're probably lacking in protein. Protein keeps you fuller longer. So for example, back in the day when I didn't know this stuff, when I was a resident or a student, I used to bring a salad to work and I used to have, you know, a handful of nuts or crackers and thought I was the healthiest person ever. But then like one day, one of my colleagues told me, uh, Rebecca, you have no proteins in there. I'm like, oh, but you know, proteins, I'm going to be full. Like, I'm just going to eat, you know, a big meal at night. And what was happening was that when I was arriving home later that day, I was binging on anything in my sight. I was extremely hungry. I would eat anything and everything. I was overeating. But in my head, I was super healthy because I was eating that salad with nothing on it, right? So, what you're doing is is great, to be honest, tracking your macros. Now, for someone that's just starting, you know, it, it's really hard to start to track that. What I could tell you is that if you want to know if you're having everything that you need, start tracking what you're eating, right? The other thing is eating out is probably the worst thing you can do for yourself because you don't know what's in your food. What did they use to cook that food? What kind of oils did they use, right? So meal prepping, right? Because a chicken breast from the restaurant is not necessarily a chicken breast from your house, right? 100%. And when you cook at home, you know what ingredients you're putting in, right? You can actually calculate how much chicken you need for for your, your weights, your needs. 
I strongly recommend my patients to have two things, right? And again, if you're just starting off, this can seem overwhelming, but it's a process. It's Your goal is to get there, not necessarily to start off with that. But there's two things I recommend. The first thing is to have a food tracking app like you do. The second thing is to have a food scale. Because, I mean, do we actually know what 120 grams of chicken is? I don't know. When I look at chicken, I don't know what 120 grams of chicken is. If I weigh it once or twice, then at the end of the day, I'll know it's like three, four pieces of chicken breast. Like, I'm good to go, right? But you really need to start off with these two items to to get there, you know? So It's really... I think it's really like a learning process and I think that's what you said best. It's That's what I realized myself. Do I think I'm going to input my calories for the rest of my life into this app? Absolutely not. I think it's a month, two months at most. I'm probably going to do it for the whole time in my 75 hard because it keeps me accountable 100%, right? But once that's done, you start to know what your portions are, right? I think that's where a lot of people are like, oh, you guys are crazy doing this. And I'm like, no, because at the end of the day, when you want to learn something, what do you do? You do something that's out of your comfort zone. So obviously you said it best. It's annoying. You got to scan these bags. You got to put in, you got to weigh it. But I'll tell you one thing. What you think is, you know, six ounces of red meat is probably not what six ounces of red meat actually is, you know? So I, I like the, the approach that you have with that is that, you know, it's very important to get that scale Will you be using that scale for the rest of your life? I doubt it. But at least it's, I think that's the hack to getting there faster, right? Exactly. And what I usually do with my patients, because I do follow a lot of patients to, you know, get to a healthier weight, have healthier lifestyles. And what I usually do with them is that we kind of create um, meal plans. We create templates. And I mean, yes, you can see a doctor, you can see a nutritionist, you can see someone to help you get there. But I think the first thing to do to kind of realize yourself and be accountable of what you're eating is to actually input what you're eating in a food scale, in a, in a food uh, tracking app, right? That's the first step. And once you realize that, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm having too much carbs, I'm not having enough protein, you know, I don't feel energized to go to the gym, I'm always tired, you know, you have to think, think about these stuff. Is it because of what I'm eating? Is it because of, you know, I'm not sleeping enough? So that, that's a whole other topic, right? But what I'm trying to tell you is that you have to start somewhere. And obviously, eating out two, three times a day is not the solution, Yes, it might be the solution when you're just starting off and you think you're saving money because you're eating out and you're not buying groceries and, you know, spending time cooking once once a week to meal prep, right? But down the line, this is not what's going to get you healthier for a long period of time. And I think that's one thing to keep in mind if you're starting off. That's your starting point. And then you go from there to, to you know, get to get to your healthier weight and and it's crazy because a lot of people talk about time yo time is money you know i gotta sit there and i gotta cook these meals and i gotta this and i gotta that guess what when you start cooking in the beginning it will take time now i'll say one thing let's be real what are you really doing playing fucking video games you know so cut the video games you know take your time to learn learn how to cook i'd like to know how many people listening here actually know how to cook a meal you know a lot of people think Oh, I don't need to know that. That's a life skill. When I went to high school, we had a class. We had a cooking class, an introduction to cooking because it was important. I don't think it's there today. And I I think we need to understand that these are things that 
the more we work on them, the easier they become. I can do a meal prep. And, and one thing that I, I force myself to do is to always have healthy food on hand. Because like you said before, that's the biggest point that a lot of people miss is that, oh, I'm just going to eat light. And when I get home, you know, I'm going to have a bigger meal, right? Now, that being said, when I would get home and I had to cook that meal, the amount of food that I would indulge in before actually eating my main course was probably two times bigger than what I was cooking because I grab two, three crackers here and I grab a bit of nuts there. Actually, you know what? I'll tell you guys a funny story. Rebecca, you don't know this, but it's funny because um, so my wife and Rebecca are Armenian, right? And one of the dishes that's very known in the culture is called Mahamara. It's basically, it's a dip, all right? So this is what I saw it as before. It was a dip, okay? And this was one of my favorite dips. My wife makes it for me all the time. I truly enjoy it. And so one day she makes the dip and she makes a nice large container of it. And the next day there's no more dip. And she says, I can't believe you just ate all that. So last week I start tracking my calories and I make myself a chicken salad and I add some walnuts on there. And I add five walnuts, five walnuts. Do you guys know how lousy five walnuts looks like? It's nothing. It was just to give it a bit of crunch, right? When I go to input it in my app, I realize that five walnuts is like almost 250 calories, okay? Do you know how many walnuts there is in a batch of Mahamada? Do you know how many calories olive oil contains, right? So this being said, it's just being oblivious to certain things. We eat certain things. Do I still eat it? Absolutely. Do I have the same quantities as I used to? Absolutely not. When I look at that batch of Muhammad, you said it before with your calories and your protein intake, instead of eating, you know, a cup of Muhammad, I can actually have a full ribeye steak and get the protein that I need to get for my nutrition to be all right. So, and now it's cool that I have you here because I know I know you enjoy Muhammad. I, I, I really think you do because I don't think anybody wouldn't. But the point is, is it okay for me to actually indulge in that? And if so, when should I do it? How should I do it? Because, you know, I followed a lot of diets. I follow a lot of crash diets. And usually that leads to kind of nothing. And I just want to know how you feel about, you know, a lot of people use it as cheating. I like to say it as indulging because I think that cheating has like a negative aspect to it. So I just want to know what you think about it. Yeah, that's a very good point. So... I think that one thing we should keep in mind, and when we talk about nutrition, a lot of people, um, you know, see it, like you said, it's it's negative because they think that nutrition equals diets. So I don't talk to my patients about, you know, going on a diet. It's just you, we, we have to change your eating habits. It's a habit, right? We have to change your perspective. We have to change your vision on food. You have to really change how you see food. And what I tell my patients is that when you look at your plate, you kind of have to have like an x-ray vision of, okay, so these are my proteins, these are my carbs, these are my fats. You need to learn how to see your plate and not just, you know, cook something and you just eat it. You have to know what you're putting in your body. And one thing I tell them is to avoid fad diets at all costs. Avoid diets because what's going to happen when you go on these types of diets, when you deprive yourself of the food that you love, you know, I love pasta. I will never stop eating pasta or sushi, but I'm aware of 
the co- the calories or the nutrients that pasta has right so you just have to be aware of what you're eating that's you we have to change that perspective and what happened to to what happens to the patients that i see is that they go on these diets they lose a bunch of weight but the problem with that is that once they stop the diet and they they eat they indulge in whatever they want to eat right they gain all the weight back and more So I think that's one of the biggest problems in our society is that there's a bunch of diets, a bunch of supplements, a bunch of programs out there that promise these fast weight loss. But most often than not, the answer is in the simplest, simplest things, right? It's eating healthy, not going on diets, but being mindful of what you're eating. Listen, if you want to have that sandwich, if you want to have that croissant, it's fine, but make sure that you pair it with protein, right? So if we're having a croissant, most often than not, it's a lot of fat, it's a lot of carbs, maybe more carbs than you actually need in a meal. But if you're going to have it, please pair it with a protein. If it's going to be an you know, egg wife, egg whites, if it's going to be a Greek yogurt, you know, be mindful of that. Because what's going to happen is that if you eat that snack, you think that you're going to be full for a long period of time, but you're likely going to be hungry two hours later or an hour later and eat another snack and another snack. You know, my patients often eat five, six times a day. And that's what I recommend them. You know, most people think that when we change their eating habits it's going to be super restrictive they're going to be starving all the time but we just have to change your perspective on what you're putting in your mouth and understanding what you're putting in your mouth so you know what i mostly recommend i don't know if you want to talk about this but what i usually suggest people to do is start off with a high protein you know high protein breakfast make sure you have protein in your breakfast to be fuller for a long longer period of time right and especially someone like you that works out, like if you don't have any protein in your meals, right, you're not going to help with muscle mass. If you're going to work out, if you're going to be, if you want to be fit, if you want to be stronger, you need to make sure you have enough protein in your diet. I think I think that's a great point that you bring is that a lot of people have this perception. And guys, by, by, by any means, I'm no doctor. I'm nowhere close to being any type of a trainer, but I am someone that went from, you know, 300 pounds down to 190, back to 250, down to 220, back up to 300, going back down. So I've pretty much seen it all. You also have to understand it. Uh, different strokes for different folks. Everybody's body kind of adapts differently. I've seen so many times where people have done basically crash diets. Like, oh, tomorrow I'm not eating any carbs at all. First of all, that's bullshit because there's carbs in things that people think there are no carbs in, right? So You just need to understand, for me, one of the things that I've learned, and I think what Rebecca is trying to mention here, is that this is not a diet. This is the way everybody should live. Now you have a choice, like I said before. Do you want to make these bad choices now and not care about this and see this as a diet and then have to deal with your health at the age of 50 years old? Or would you rather start now and see this as a process? Not only as a process to becoming, you guys know, I always preach becoming the better version of yourself, but... Take away the negative side because when we say a diet, a diet is actually a lifestyle. It's actually the way that we want to be. It's the way that we want to eat. But if you want to look like something or you want to feel like something, you need to put what needs to be in your body in order to attain those goals, right? So the one thing I will tell you and the the reason why I do it is because at the end of the day, when I start gaining weight, I feel it because it becomes a mission to turn around in bed because it becomes a mission to just get up 
you know, I started boxing again when I got to Florida and I used to be able to, to jump rope for like, you know, 10 minutes straight. And now all of a sudden I can't jump rope for more than a minute, throw myself on a scale. All of a sudden I'm back to 300 pounds. Now, the cool thing is that body composure kind of changes because my 300 pounds that I was uh, 14 days ago is definitely not the same 300 pounds that I was when I was 15 years old and tremendously overweight, right? So you guys need to understand that the muscle comes into play. Your, your body composure kind of changes with time. Now, that being said, these everyday normal activities were starting to become harder on me because I'm definitely getting heavier. So what do I do? And, and the best thing, and I was actually going to ask this question, and you mentioned it, and the first thing you said was no exercise can outwork a diet, okay? No exercise can outwork bad eating habits. So if you think that you can go to the gym for two hours a day and then eat trash and you'll be okay because you train, no. Most people say it, like 90% of, you know, getting healthy, getting, you know, getting your body where it needs to be, being fit, being jacked, as a lot of people say it, is the food like it all starts with the food and guess what the food makes the rest easier because once you start fueling your body with good stuff and i'm a firm believer of buying you know we buy a lot of organic stuff we look into that a lot of people tell me i'm crazy you know you guys spend so much money on food and i'm like hang on a second so again we come back to these people who uber food twice a week and spend 250 dollars on pure trash because at the end of the, i don't care where you're ordering from what you're eating these restaurants' jobs is to make food taste good and they'll put whatever they need to put in the food to make it taste good. They're not trying to make you feel good. They're trying to make their food taste good because that's what's addictive to you, right? It's it's right away, you put it in your mouth, it tastes good. What do I want tomorrow? I want that feeling again, right? Because that feeling is much easier. But you know what the ultimate feeling is? It's when you wake up in the morning and you feel good. When you wake up in the morning and I was just sitting down with somebody yesterday and showing them pictures of what I look like about four years ago. And I showed them my vein in my arm. And I want that vein back in my bicep, okay? Now, what that means is my body fat needs to be at a certain place, right? But that, when I come to eat something that I know is not is going to make me feel good at that moment, but won't help me achieve the goal of the vein. And I know you're going to say that goal is very vain, but you know, it's for me, it's, it's, it's things like that, that I put in my head. And now when I look at the burger that I'm about to take a bite of, I'm like, no, I'll go make myself a protein shake. I'll go have a chicken breast. I'll go have something that'll make me achieve that goal. Because to me, that's the ultimate feel good. But the ultimate feel good is feeling good in your skin. So sometimes we try to get an instantaneous like gratification. So that instant gratification, but eating a burger tastes good, right? And but really what you do want is you want to always feel good. Do you know what the feeling is? And and I, I know a lot of people, you know, probably fit, don't know this. But the people that had the weight issues of putting a t-shirt on and not having to stretch it before you put it on. And this is like almost like a fat boy confession because as I said earlier on in the show, I think I had an addiction to food. And I'm starting to truly realize that there's a way to get around that. But how I got around that was through macros, how I got around that was actually, uh, Rebecca was a great help to me because she does post a lot of information, she does post a lot of videos about being overweight, she does approach subjects that most people are kind of afraid to approach, and once you start listening to that, and once you start looking into that, you realize that the true feel good, the true, and, and, and we always talk about flexing, especially in the barber culture, there's no flex like having a fit body, because at the end of the day, you know, 
I, I was watching a, a I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the guy says if you're over the age of 35 and you can do more than 20 push-ups, you're in like the five percent of the population, and that's pretty scary to think that today, you know, only five percent of people over 35 can actually do 20 push-ups in a row, right? And then, you know, let's not even talk about a six-pack because now we fall under one percent, right? So. And, and and I talk about this in terms of barbering, but, you know, I always try to relate to business. And one thing that I know for myself is if I'm going to deal with somebody, and I, I brought this up in a conversation before, I showed up to this place, this person's trying to sell me out how to be healthy, but they have a gut themselves. I feel like, hey, how do you want to teach me how to do something if you can't even do it for yourself, right? So I always relate to that when it comes to myself in business, because when I hire somebody and I'm actually fit and I actually look good... They, then they can say, oh my gosh, this guy, he can take care of himself. Therefore, I believe he can take care of a business. Does it mean that when I was bigger, I couldn't take care of my business? I I don't think so. I think my business, I always you know crushed it. I always did what I needed to do to get things where they need to be. But I think that a healthy body is the ultimate flex. you know. And I talk about it a lot and I'm going to keep talking about it. And I like to post about it because I like people to see that I'm putting in the freaking work. And... The outworking your diet is where I'm starting to realize that it made a big difference because the first time I did my 75 hard, it took me, you know, 75 days to lose 25 pounds. I'm 14 days in tomorrow and I've lost close to 15 pounds, right? But the main thing that I'm doing is tracking my macros. The main thing that I'm doing is I stop at the butcher shop and I get a good piece of meat. I get the good quality chicken breast, the organic chicken breast. You guys want a cheat code? Go to Costco. Costco is very simple, you know, and guess what? They have the Costco packages. Oh my God, that's a lot of chicken. You know what else they have at Costco? Freezer Ziplocs. Go buy freezer Ziplocs, pre-portion your stuff, make it easy on you. Amazon, go on Amazon, order all the Tupperwares you want, reusable Tupperwares. Do your meal prep. It'll take you a whole Sunday. You're going to tell me you're not watching a football game on Sunday, spending four hours in front of the TV, just eating fucking Cheetos? No, do something useful for yourself. Help yourself and trust me when I tell you, you're going to thank me later. You can you can do it in front of the TV. You can meal prep in front of your TV as Facts. well, right? So, I mean, I always open my shows when I meal prep, but 100%. And, and one thing that you, you mentioned as well is that um, when, when people yo-yo with, with their weight, one thing we have to keep in mind is that the first step to losing weight is your diet, the nutrition aspect of it. But to maintain a weight loss, you need muscle. Because when you lose weight, 75% of it is fat, 25% is muscle. When you lose muscle mass, what happens is that your metabolism slows down. So when your metabolism slows down, you stop burning calories, you, 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 uh, you burn less calories at rest. So you need more muscle to continue burning calories. So that's why exercise and nutrition always, always, always come hand in hand. Absolutely. And I think... I think also, I'll, I'll say this to everybody, if you need a way to actually get healthy, and I'm going to wrap this up by, you know, relating it to, to us, to barbers, right? The more you exercise, the stronger you feel. The stronger you feel, the more muscle you have. The more muscle you have, the more calories you burn, right? So when you're actually standing there and you have that muscle mass, you're actually burning more calories just standing, right? And there's, I think there's a misconception behind losing weight that a lot of people put is, oh, I need to lose weight, I need to do a ton of cardio. Cardio is important, but cardio is not important to lose weight primarily. It's important for your heart health, at least I think so. And 
you know, the muscle is what's going to help you get there. And I hear a lot of women as well, because, you know, a lot of hairdressers talk to me and say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to lift too many weights because I don't want to be, I don't want to be too muscular, you know? And I think that's a misconception. So we need to stop looking as, you know, how can I, I, I hate to say this, but a lot of people are looking for the hack. And Rebecca mentioned it earlier on that the word hack, the word 30 day program, the word take these pills and you lose a hundred pounds. It doesn't work. At the end, we're not looking for a Band-Aid. You can find the Band-Aid. You'll definitely, it'll definitely help you. But find something that works for you. Find something, be be cautious of what you're eating. Be cautious of what type of exercise you're doing. And guess what? If you don't like to go to the gym and lift weights, I was fed up of it myself. I stopped. Guess what I did? I started boxing. I took on boxing. I love boxing. It gives me a great workout. I sweat. I, I'm developing muscle mass. And most importantly, I'm entertained. You know, so switch it up a little bit. If you're used to going in the gym, buy yourself a bike, do something different. And get active, even if it means, and if you're too big, and I've heard them all, the, I've heard all the excuses. I'm too big. It doesn't matter. Go walking. Oh no, but my knees start to hurt. You know what? Go swimming. Go walking in a pool. There's plenty of public, sp- there's always something to do. But I'd rather you suffer now doing the work then suffer later because you're going to be sick. Because You know what it is to be stuck to a hospital bed. And I can tell you guys a whole lot about that when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to cancer, when it comes to all this garbage. But let's just try to put all the chances we can on our side and therefore live a better life and have a better career, a more successful career, right? That's what we really want. That's what everybody talks to me about. I want to make more money. I want to have more clients. Well, before you start doing any of that, you need to make sure that your number one tool is as sharp as it possibly can be, all right? So, Rebecca, did you have anything you wanted to add? I think you said it all, honestly. And and just remember that being proactive right now is going to avoid a bunch of problems in the future. And we can talk about it for hours, but that's the main point, I think, of, of this podcast today. So, you know... Thank you guys for tuning in today. I always appreciate it. I know you guys probably noticed we took a little bit of a break. We had a lot going on. I opened up another shop out here in Florida. It was a lot of work. I had to get myself back into my health mood. You know, there's a lot of things that I tend to sacrifice. And unfortunately, health is always the first one we seem to push to the side when we keep saying that it's our priority. So it was an it was a, an honor to have Dr. Rebecca here with me. If you guys want to follow her on social media, if you guys have any questions for her, she answers everything. She's super helpful. Her Instagram is dr like doctor dot Rebecca R E B E C C A dot M D. All right. So you guys go follow her on Instagram. If you guys have any questions for her, if you guys have any questions for me, you know, keep in mind that. The best thing you can have is accountability. You want to have people that know what they're talking about, that it's from experience, that it's from school, that it's from a combination of both. You have great people around you. You can always find resources and do what you need to do in order to get where you need to be, all right? So thank you, Rebecca, for for being on. It's really, really appreciated. And guys, we'll see you on the next episode and have a good night. Bye.